Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, as I've been told recently by Rich, there's a very good chance that you'll be in Africa. Um, as a 2% chance. A 2% chance you'll <laughs> yeah, be in Africa. A very good chance. That sounds a bit like my DNA results from 23andMe. Um, but uh, if you are in Britain, then um, hello and welcome to another episode. I think this is episode 13, it is. isn't it? unlucky for some. Unlucky for some, but lucky for our guest, Vincent Clancy. Um, actually, not quite right. It's Vincent Dignan, now known as Vin Clancy. Yeah. There is a uh, a human being that's not gone through Vin it. Diesel. Not Vin Diesel. No. no, and also not to be confused with The Rock. Um, but just a sparkling a personality, not as good in a wrestling ring. Better dress sense. Dress yes, definitely. So um, the best way to describe Vin is um, a very um, self-assured accomplished growth hacker who in the London technology scene built up a personal brand and where we personally felt that he was uh, a perfect addition for series one of The Secret Lives of Leaders simply because he offers us something different. He hasn't created a big brand like Mr. and Mrs. Smith or, you know, uh, like BBH or you know, anything like that that is uh, tangible that people know. It's not a big B2B business, it's not a big B2C business. He is the business, and his personal approach to uh, growth hacking and you know online digital marketing tricks has actually amassed him an enormous global fan base um, on Facebook. Um, that is pretty much his bread and butter. And I've had personal experience working with Vin on a professional level, and whilst he definitely divides opinion in terms of his attitude, his way of being, the way he looks, etc., etc., I can guarantee from a personal experience, that there's a lot of substance behind what he says and that um, he's not all talk. So um, I think it's a really interesting interview. I think he shares a lot of fascinating insights that you don't get from other people. He's very candid. Um, um, I hope that, you know, by listening to this, you will uh, come away buzzing with ideas, lots of ideas of how you can grow your business and rich do you want to give us a line leading into this week's episode? Uh, well, I mean, clearly the stuff he does works, so it's worth listening to. That's very good. It's succinct. I like it. Okay, enjoy. Off we go. From Runway East Studios in London, welcome to the Secret Lives of Leaders. Today's guest is the self-styled Jesus Christ superstar of the organic viral growth world. He puts the M in millennial, the G in growth, and the WTF in fashion. A man who very much practices what he preaches and a true obsessive for the American personal branding school of thought, he knows that to stand out, you have to really stand out, and he does this to perfection. On his more toned-down days, he looks a little bit like Camden Market has thrown up on him. With fur jackets teamed with American flag spandex leggings, if you're walking the streets of London or indeed USA where he spends most of his time touring, you might mistake him for someone who's just really, really early for Burning Man. But instead, he's probably on his way to his next gig or consultancy session telling brands how to grow. In his own words, his mission is to help as many founders and companies grow in the fastest way possible using bespoke techniques, tactics and software most people don't know about. 
Whilst his oversharing and very un-British attitude towards self-promotion doesn't resonate with everyone, it's categorically impossible to ignore Vincent once you've made contact. And underneath all the outfits and image is simply a guy interested to see how he can help others succeed with the knowledge he's accumulated. From living off benefits to touring the West Coast inspiring young entrepreneurs and makers how to build an audience, Vincent's life has gone from rags to riches in very little time and should be viewed as an inspiration that anyone with a strong work ethic, positive attitude, and most importantly, the self-belief and confidence in what makes you unique and interesting is your pathway to success. So without further ado, and to tell his story in his own words, welcome Vincent Dignant. Oh, thank you. That was a great intro. Um, I just want to pick up one thing you said. Some, it's not to some people's tastes. Um, well, I mean, there's two sides to that. Firstly, like your ego is just like, well, F those guys anyway. Yeah. But um, on a more broad level, I'm building a life where no one can say no to me. Um, I think that's the key to building an internet marketing, selling information business. Um, I don't have to go with my cap in hand to brands or investors and say, um, this is me a certain way. This is the me of you that you want. Um, I, I have a tribe who follows me. I open up a group coaching, people flood in, or I sell a book and like people flood in that way. Um, so yeah, it's building this lifestyle where I'm not dependent on gatekeepers. Um, I have had good press, but it's kind of been incidental in such crazy ways. Like, I don't know many people who've raised six figures on Kickstarter without any press. It's pretty unprecedented. Everyone who does well on Kickstarter gets a flood of press normally on the first day. Yeah. Um, so I'm sitting pretty right now. I, I'm not where I want to be, but um, I love this lifestyle I'm creating of not of people not saying no to me. Yeah. On a side note to that, my favorite uh, company of this year is Dollar Beard Club. Have you heard of them? Dollar Beard Club. Yes, I have ridiculous yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, did like 1.5 million dollars in revenue last month yeah, yeah, what yeah. the hell are they selling beard oil yeah. um, and like you look at their Instagram and it's so cynical uh, like and like that's the thing with me it's not for me to say whether uh, an idea is good or bad uh, as someone who works in marketing it, if it works it's good yeah. so it's never to make a moral decision but yeah their Instagram is uh, if you grow a beard, fit girls will want to fuck you. Yeah. It's such a good idea. Um, like I can and I see. I've actually recently grown a beard. <laughs> so actually, and I just started using beard a little. Oh really? No so, yeah. Um, and, it hasn't happened yet though. And then of course that's just a surface level. Uh, underneath that they have excellent affiliate programs, a fantastic content marketing strategy, yeah. super tight email funnels, um, and it's a super smart business. But uh, yeah, like, and again, they're selling directly to consumer. And as we've seen with Dollar Shave Club, that can be worth a billion dollars now. Mm. Um, I love this idea of the end of gatekeepers. It's really exciting to me. So just uh, being yourself and putting it out there and doing it your fucking way. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, well, we, we will come on to that and what you do well. So just to um, get a little bit inside the mind of Vincent Dignan, let's do a very quick, uh, quick fire round. So, UK or US? US. Of course. I mean, I knew the answer to this, but natural. Give us a reason why. I'm amazed that people in London are not looking west. Yeah. Like, um, there's a hundred times more money. The market's a hundred times bigger. Uh, they're more open-minded to new ideas. Now, yes, there's the visa situation and the, the work visa situation, but you've got to at least have ambitions to go and do that. It's such a no-brainer. You speak English. They speak English. It's a massive market. Um, for you to start going out there. And some people say it's been the graveyard of many British startups. And that is true, but there's graveyards everywhere for British startups. Yeah. Um, 
like under every conceivable metric, um, America is a better place to be. Very fair. If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2. You're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner Vanta comes in. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more, getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanta. Just head to vanta.com slash secretleaders. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash secretleaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI, but until the machines take over, there's only one thing that's going to determine your company's fortunes. People. This isn't some kind of hollow point to make me look good. If you speak privately to any successful entrepreneur, they'll confirm it's true. So, if you're a leader of a growing business, then you should check out Personio. It brings together all the important HR things like hiring, onboarding, payroll data, performance reviews, and so on. You don't want loads of employees sending you emails asking for time off. You want to be able to see things objectively, like it's taking you too long to hire. You want to do performance reviews well, having clear goals for people that are logged in a centralized system. And you want to do all these things in one simple tool without having to become an HR expert. All of this is possible with Personio. Check it out at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. So David Bowie or Freddie Mercury? Freddie Mercury. Um, Bowie has, in, has probably inspired my outfit to a certain extent, but he doesn't have many great songs. Like, I love Bowie. I always took my mum to see the Bowie tributes and stuff, but Queen had much yeah, better Okay, songs. fair play. Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin? Who's had more hits? Oh, man. What is, what is, I, I don't know much. I mean, I don't follow news and politics outright, and I don't really know anything about Putin, but um, Trump's copy in his tweets is insane it's been fantastic the best copywriter in the world as far as i'm concerned amazing what he does with neuro-linguistic processing what he does with um the way he puts a word before someone's name such as crooked hillary or little marco um how funny his tweets are it's so hard to hate someone when they're funny when someone is funny they can get away with a hell of a lot so do you actually think that he is a genius well i was talking to my philosopher about this he was like, have you ever uh, sat through four hours of one of his talks? It's complete gibberish. And then out of that four hours comes five or six incredible quotes. And they're the ones you hear about. I'm of the opinion that he's smart and he knows what he's doing. And someone in San Francisco was telling me he has this secret uh, NLP coach not even his team knows about. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the the copy, the quality of his copy is amazing. Um People are emotionally led, not rational led. So yeah. they, they can't see what he's doing. Whereas I, I can see, I, this is what he's trying to do. Um, it's very smart. Fair. Okay. Let's see if you have as much commentary on this one. And I'm going to take a guess that you're aligning with me, judging by what's on your t-shirt, but cats or dogs? Um, cats. 
Yeah, and is that just because of the internet fame side, or? Well, um, I was speaking to, uh, I don't want to talk about a philosopher too much, but he was saying dogs are really stupid animals. They, um, they've evolved from wolves, which used to be very smart animals that hunted in packs, and then yeah. we brought them into the house, tamed the hell out of them, now they just run out after sticks. Cats are still cool. They have this territory to protect. Yeah. They they live their own lives. Like my parents' cat Dougie is always out there on serious cat business. Not not to um, not to derail the quickfire too much, but yeah, talk to us about this that. philosopher. That's, that's twice mentioned that now. Yeah, mm. let's yeah. talk about the philosopher. I feel like this is something that we well, need to uh, bring up. Yeah. So um, he is like. Um, I'm not really interested in most people. I'm not really interested in most things. Um, but he's someone who I can speak to a lot and uh, be interested with. And he challenges me. Uh, and he makes me feel uh, think a lot larger than I normally do. Yeah. Um, so, so, for instance, if we're talking about traditional goal setting, uh, let's say you have a goal. Um, so he was like, you know, what, what's the thing you want the most? And I would say, okay, so I have this big mansion in Los Angeles, I'm having this house party, I'm internationally recognized, I'm an author, or whatever, and so on. He's like, so, but it's not to do with the money, it's not to do with the place, it's to do with the feeling, right? And he's like, yeah, yes, that's true. So he's like, well, if that's the case, why wouldn't you just um, get the feeling now and short circuit all of that? And so when you look at it that way, it just kind of like collapses your brain in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we have this on-off relationship so how did you how do you meet a philosopher what was the basis of meeting a philosopher and because you know i actually for the first time ever met a philosopher the other week i actually met professor ac grayling um at dinner yeah. and uh fucking hilarious because every single answer starts with a yes but no or a, yeah. a but b yeah. and it's yeah. really really you never you never meet well maybe like top lawyers but you very rarely meet people who will uh, rationalise both sides of an argument as every answer but and it's really enlightening in, yes. in its own way yeah. but makes you try and find the answer yourself we've been friends for like six years and he often disappears for periods like I don't speak even this year weeks or months and then he just comes back and then we start talking or whatever um, so yeah so he went away and spent like the last few years studying for instance the medical and scientific journals that people who teach NLP read he will go and read that stuff. Mm. Um, and then he will come up with his own forms of meditation or fear-based activities. And what's really interesting about him is, I'm like, you know, you're sitting on a gold mine here. Like, your meditation stuff is better than the top meditation stuff. Yeah. Let's get you internet marketing. And he's like, you know, for what ends? Uh, I, I don't need the money to feel a certain way. I don't need the fame. Uh, I may go public at some point. But, you know, to have this information, to use it is enough for me. And as someone who's like very goal driven and like yeah. wants their hands on things, it really takes a lot for me to do it. Because so I'm always like, well, what's the final outcome? What's the final goal? It's like, you know, it's doing it in itself is its own outcome. Like when we used to play football in the street, you know, there was never an outcome there, but it was amazing enjoyment the whole day. So right, he right. tries to get me back to that state. Okay, and is that working? Yeah. But... Or do you find do you find it at odds with like, you know, deep down wanting to better your career with more internet marketing, more, 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 and this is kind of the opposite, saying actually deep down inside you've got a lot of the things you're searching for already. Well no, what what I find is I have so much admin to do that I can't I don't have the time and brain space to do what he says. Right. I realise that's an excuse. But yeah, so he can spend 100% of his time being creative and writing and so on because he's opted out of this game completely. Right. He, he may do a little coaching or something to pay the bills, but um, 
he, he does, he's not playing this game. He doesn't have this ambitious game. So thus he can constantly have new breakthroughs. Very interesting. And uh, I don't think I'm too often hear about someone that has uh, their own personal philosopher in their back pocket. But, you know, usually if we were in America, I'm sure there'd be a therapist. But because we're in Britain, in case anyone is listening across the pond, it's very Harry Potter land over here. And it is indeed a philosopher. Look, straight straight into the meaty stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit about your story then. So you've released a top rated book called Secret Source, which is a step by step guide to growth hacking. You run a company called Magnifique today. And uh, you started out with Planet Ivy, which is actually when I first met you yeah. a long, long, long time ago. Yeah, so yeah. let's start at the beginning. Why did you start Planet Ivy? So uh, my ex told me I had to do something. Um, what were you not doing? Working. You were just like lazing around? I wasn't lazing around. I was, at this stage, I was speaking to Lewis and we, we had had a couple of startup ideas. So for instance, our first startup idea was um, live marketing for nightclubs. So, for instance, our MVP was to go and interview people on the way into Fabric and give them right. sweets to, uh, you know, if they worked with us. So we were like, we were trying to get the buy side of Fabric and then showing them the data. It didn't really get off the ground. We had a, a, one or two other ideas. Um, and then I had a dream where the writers would be stars, not musicians. So I'd done some writing and I was thinking about what to do with it. And then my first thought was to make a Tumblr blog. I was like, this, this will not make any money. So the next day, having had this dream, I wanted to create a name for a magazine that Little Wayne would wear on a T-shirt. So we found planetivy.com was available. We, put, we booked that. Uh, Lewis built the website. And then I called up every university in the country, cold calling, saying, we're building the coolest magazine in the UK. And we're gonna, it's going to be like writing school. We're going to get better at writing. Who wants in? So I just pounded the phone in like my apartment that like the government was paying for and then go and sign on job centers, uh, job seekers allowance. Um, and then that was the first tranche of writers. Then there was, and then Lewis said, right, now it's time for you to get an, uh, an editor. You, you shouldn't be editing. You should be the CEO. So I had two r- London writers and I called up both of them. And then one of them was a guy called Barney. And he said, I've been thinking about doing something similar. I'd love to be your editor. So then we met George from Incubus in the street. And he said, did you know that Google Campus has just opened and they're giving free desk space? And then so we went there. I signed up for that. And then that started Planet Ivy when we legendarily had 16 writers in there. And Vicky was like, guys, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, you're really taking the piss here. So like half of the Google campus was our writers who come in and write. So we started getting that going, uh, writing a lot of content, making it go viral. And we had um, a hit article or two and we got a million page views over a three month period. And then Lewis said, now go and look for investment. Uh, So we did one talk at the Lion's Cage event. The pitch sucked, but in the last 30 seconds, I said, this is our page views, which were phenomenal. And then uh, Ravi, who had just left uh, Facebook, said, I just started a consultancy company. I'd like to advise you and introduce you to investors. She introduced us to three investors. Two of them put £150,000 in. We were off to the races. Scaled it to a million page views a month or a million visitors a month or whatever. Um, and then we launched a second site, Screen Robot, got that to a million visitors a month. So we're getting two million a month when we got into the Techstars Accelerator, um, which was great. Um, I, I was telling this story the other day, like once we got into Techstars and we'd agreed like what the investment money would be coming in, 
Um, when we started Techstars, I had uh, £800 in the bank. And I was just like, I know it's going to take you about a week to get the money, but we really need that money. So like, we were at Def Store again. Yeah, yeah. So then we raised that money, um, and for various reasons, and probably write a medium post on this, like, we couldn't sustain it. And then we became an agency, so growth hacking and copywriting. So did that for a year, and then um, started public speaking. And that's where like my brand took off, and that's where the clients took off because um, of the majority of American clients who were money bags. Right, yeah. Uh, like summer 2015, um, I was asked to speak at Sabah Southwest V2V. And so in preparation for that, I started giving talks around here and honing my act. Yeah. And I went there and like I'd never spoken in American before, really. Uh, and then I won Best Speaker ahead of people who have been in the game years. And then from that one talk, I made like tens of thousands of dollars. To this day, I still get clients from it. It was like a, a phenomenal event yeah. to be on the main stage at a South by Southwest type event. Um, so then I came home last summer and I was just like, you know, like this is so much better than London. So um, my apartment got demolished. So then in October last year, I was just like, well, all my focus is on America anyway. So I just moved out of London. Um, and moved out of London, but still in England. Yeah, mi- I'm in Middlesex, okay. so yeah. it's like 45 minutes on a train. Yeah. Um, and then I started the 100 Date World Tour this year. Um, I then launched a book that's made like $105,000 so far. Um, I massively increased my brand, uh, been featured in Fortune recently. And the most important thing I did this year is go to Ty Lopez Mansion Party in August. Okay. So the book came out and it was like, wow, so people will pay me money and I don't have to work with clients. I don't have to run an agency, but I still carry on running the agency because it's, you know, it's quite easy for me to automate all these things and make this money. Um, But then I went to Ty Lopez Mansion Party. You had to have 400,000 followers to get in or you had to be a kind of... And Ty Lopez is an influencer, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So he has millions of followers. So... I get to his party and it's like a hip hop video. There's like girls in bikinis twerking. There's a rapper. There's a DJ. There's free bars everywhere. Beautiful Beverly Hills sunshine. I'm like, this is exactly what I thought America would be like. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I didn't spend the whole day talking to girls and getting drunk. I spoke to his team and all the guys from ClickBank and the uh, pickup artists and all of those guys who were in the affiliates and in their marketing game. And it was just like a real mind-blowing moment i was like so ty makes x million per month what is he really doing he's teaching people he's creating a few courses he seems to spend the whole day on snapchat and instagram having a laugh and that's what he's because it's all so automated in the back end so i wrote to his guys and i was just like damn this is a much better business than running an agency because you're always swapping time for money as you scale up then you've got to run an office full of people which will nail you to the ground. It's nothing you can sell, really. Like another agency may gobble up your staff. Yeah. Um, but so that was a real turning point for me, and that brings me to where I am now, where I started Traffic and Coffee, the Facebook group, uh, scaled that to over 10,000 members in three months. And then I did a launch uh, for a group coaching program and made like low five figures with free posts in the group. I'm doing this next week, who's interested, and then a Facebook Live post, and then open up a Stripe cart, and it all went through. Right. So um, so that's the path I'm on now, and then I have various projects in the internet marketing, and uh, I'm kind of stepping away from growth hacking. Like, I'm the growth hacking guy, but I was in Belgium yesterday giving a growth hacking talk, and I was just like, this is the last time I'll ever do it. Um, so like, I'll take those elements into internet marketing, but where I see myself taking this is to... Um, 
I could take anyone off the street and make them $100,000 from coaching, consulting. Find what they're interested in, build a Facebook group, add people in, add people in by email, uh, upsell to a $50 ebook, then get that customer list, upsell them to $1,000 a month coaching, and so on. So, yeah, there's, a, there's some of this I've seen actually on... Um you know, on Facebook, of course, you know, so people are actually taking you through these consultancy courses where, you know, they guarantee you over a certain period of months, you know, through expert coaching and expert this and that, they will take you to, you know, $100,000 a month, whatever it might be. So uh, are you taking a leaf out of their book? Are you doing something slightly different with that? Um, What is the insanely scalable part of that that you are so passionate about sure so i i'm not necessarily teaching coaches to be coaches like my friend diana does that she's like if you don't make a hundred thousand dollars then i'll give you all your money back like she's so confident in that i'm not necessarily doing that it's one aspect of what i'm doing um but uh yeah the, the idea of selling information is so key and it's at the start of its journey so it's not played out where you build a community, you put out content. The essential is you have to write a lot of content. Like that, that's, or, or produce a lot of video content. But this will work for creative people. This will work for lawyers who don't want to work for big firms. I can teach people like the basics. Um, but there's so many ways you can slice the pie. It's basically the fame model. Once you have followers and you're famous, you can sell anything really. You, yeah. Then you come up with new products and you sell it. Um, so there's this idea of micro fame. And that's what Ty Lopez has. No one has heard of him, but he can quietly make millions of dollars every month yeah. uh, in this tiny niche. And so if someone just gets a tiny slice of that, um, for most people to make $5,000 a month, they're going to be super excited. That's five coaching clients. So um, just going back to Planet Ivy, so yeah. your story on there. So you did raise money for it and you got into Techstars. So how come you decided to shut it down? Was it just not growing and you were like, what, what's the point? Or... And also you mentioned that you ch- turned it into an agency. So that's a very different business model for investors. So what was the reaction? What was your uh, relationship like with your investors when you told the them? The investors this? were shocked because 99% of other companies uh, just fold. Right. They, they were shocked that I turned it into something. So they were pleased to a certain extent that it, I'd managed to take it off life support and get it to like instantly to five figures in revenue a month and then just carried it on from there. Is it, um, is it still functional? No. No, okay, fine. So. Yeah, so, so yeah, ultimately they, they weren't happy. The game is the game. Okay, so um, just going back to, uh, you know, telling companies how it is, but then not trampling on egos. Does that mean that you still go in there and tell them that everything they're doing is wrong, but it's not actually the leader's fault? Is that basically the careful way of doing this? Well, uh, I do a little less consulting now, but um, for instance, you need to have client control because, uh, well, so I've been coaching and selling like a year and a half proper and firstly, a lot of people know do the work. So now I say when I, ha- when I have a new coaching client, um, you have paid this money for my attention. If you actually want me to turn up the calls, you have to do the homework we set each week or you lose the privilege. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I've started saying most recently, um, you have hired me because I have more knowledge than you. <laughs> There's just no other nice way to put it. Yeah. I was like, so you cannot objection handle when I give you ideas. Yeah. Because uh, I'm primarily there to give ideas. Uh, I sometimes I use uh, like an, my agency to to actually do the work, but more so I tend to consult with people uh, and just show them new ways of doing things and why what, what they might be doing is wrong, um, because people are just full of biases, confirmation bias, and so on. Um, so, so you have to handle that in the right way. 
Okay, that's really interesting. So uh, you say you're doing less and less consulting, uh, more and more coaching. Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, so group coaching, selling information, and working directly with founders. So you mean basically writing a lot of content that is therefore scalable. That's a scalable part yeah. of your business, essentially. It's, uh, it's inside, sticking it on paper and sending it out. Yeah, So, and as a side note, and I'm talking about this in my talk tonight, I tell you one of the keys to uh, being successful in business, having working capital. Like this year, I've, I've managed to say no to, like last year I said no to a lot of clients, this year I said no to even more, uh, so that I could grow my brand, so I could experiment with new things, so I could travel and tour, um, and out of that comes massive opportunities. But like uh, I said to someone very close to me, um, like, you haven't got a thousand dollars to pay for a mentor, what the fuck are you doing? Like, how are you running a business? That is not a lot of money. It wasn't for me, it was for another mentor that I recommended him. Yeah. Um, like, having working capital is such a great thing, so that uh, if you can afford to not pay yourself for a while, um, and you can do these experiments, that's what I've done, and I've said no to a lot of clients. And like, now I'm speaking to one client, with, with God's grace, is an absolutely massive deal, and that one I will keep. And I keep clients every now and then. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if you can launch an ebook and it sells $200,000 in a week, which is perfectly reasonable in a uh, internet marketing business where you have a tribe, um, then why would you swap time for money? Um, okay, so having followed you on Facebook and Twitter for a while, it seems like one of your most recent lessons uh, from your time in the USA really is the power of networks. Um, so networks, community, friendships, um, how important are these to you specifically? Like it, it does, you know, having known you for, I think I must have known you for four or five years now. Like it's interesting to see how, because you've always been a big, uh, as am I, so absolutely pot kettle black here, but a big emotional oversharer on Facebook. Um, but I do notice over the evolution of your own personal brand, it's less and less me, idea, etc., and more uh, other people, this happened, this is who you should know. Is that fair? Um, yes, uh, kind of. Well, take us through the evolution a little so, bit. Firstly, I want to return to the earlier point. Yes. Um, the power of networking, I didn't realise it until I started spending time in America because I never met anyone who was that impressive to me. Yeah. I, I don't know if everyone reading this who knows people say, yeah. what the hell have you... For like, for, for like the specific things I need, which is people above me who have done the exact thing I'm trying to do a lot better than me. Um, like, I do believe in the power of networks, but um, I spent, like, half the reason I moved out of London, I never went out, I never networked, because it's just like, I, I don't see anyone to network with. So I completely do, and that that is one major difference with Americans. They really help each other. Because I, I didn't notice it at first, but every successful person I met, I noticed with these launches, they had all these friends and they would all share each other's stuff and so on. Yeah. And then, like, as you know, and I think you've written about this a little bit, Brits are like, this is mine, I'm not going to help you out when yes. they could. And, and like, yeah. you've had issues well, with... Well, believer in pay it forward. Yeah. Um, you, need, you need to do that. But, like, and I still have all those British things inside of me and, like, I'm self-aware of them, but, like, for one I keep with me, um, the Smith song, We Hate It When Our Friends Get Successful, I still have that. I just, I can't let it go. When someone else says, well, I'm like, that should be me, you know? Yeah. And, like, Brits have, like, hundreds of those little uh, things going on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they don't share so much. And so Americans, the partnerships are rife and I, I, I'm going to try and bring it back here. Sure. And, like, as I went there, you, you have a much better network than me, so you can say, actually, if we brought these people to a mastermind, it'd be great. Yeah. Um, and the second part of your question, personal branding. Um, yes and no. Firstly, like, most uh, sharing on social is egoic. 
I'm doing this, I'm enjoying this, these are my thoughts on this program. Like, I never do that. Um, uh, but like my men, my main mentor, Dan Meredith, um, he's so he he keeps an eye on my Facebook posts and he, he's, like, he's like my main mentor through what I'm doing with traveling copy. Uh, and for instance, three weeks ago, he said, you've got to be careful with too many marketing posts. I'm starting to tune you out. So like to build a personal brand, you never want to be the one who gives technical information. You want them to fall in love with you. So after saying that, I started to do posts about me and Charlie's photo shoot, like live video from a house party in Hollywood and like and bring it back to me to build a great brand. It's about them loving you. And then you can do multiple different things. Then I can do internet marketing or I can do copywriting, productivity, nootropics, like all of these crossover things. But if I'm just a growth hacking guy, as soon as I do something different, you lose half the audience. Yeah, that makes very sense. I mean, you know, using the LA model, that's like being typecast in a TV series and never being able to land yeah. like a movie yeah, drop yeah. because everyone will always associate you with that character. Um, okay, very interesting. Uh, well, then if last night was your last ever growth hacking talk and you want to stop being the growth hacking guy, then I guess we better milk you for all your worth. What are the best growth hacks you have to share with our listeners of all time? So this is Vincent Dignan's best ever growth hacks and he can't literally be fucked to ever talk about them ever again. So literally play this on repeat over and over. Vincent, don't be selfish. Share the love. Tell young listeners how to grow. Uh, so let's start with, generally speaking, audience, A-U-D-I-E-N-S-E, is my favorite um, growth hacking software ever. So that is, um, you can search anyone's bio in Twitter and Instagram. So if you're looking for fashion influencers, you just put the word fashion in the bio and it will find all those influencers. Then you can segment it by how many followers they have. Then you have like a slew of people that you can contact about giving you a shout out. Or on Twitter, you can uh, follow all of those people. And then when they follow you back, you can start uh, talking to them, building a relationship. But like whatever niche you're in, they are on Twitter. So you can get all of this data and for free, reach out to them. In terms of uh, social media growth hacking, that's one of the best things. Uh, I'm going to do a webinar on how to build a Facebook group. That's the other major growth area that you can do for free. Um, I could do a top five in that. Okay, so right now, Facebook, it's a white space to build groups. And Facebook, I guaranteed going to stop this in the next six to nine months, I heard from the inside. If, uh, if you guys both have a thousand friends on Facebook and you start a Facebook group today, you could add all of your friends into that group and it would have 2,000 people in it in 48 hours time. That's pretty amazing. That's 2,000 people who will see your posts. Uh, so you have that community. 10% will leave right away because that's irrelevant group. Uh, but then you still have like 1,800 people in that group. So that's massive. Then you can add about 45 people a day by email from now until eternity. I wouldn't start that until the second month. Then you need to post in it three times a day so that people start to see you in their feed. You trigger the Facebook algorithm if you post a lot. Um, have no external links in the group because they get blocked by Facebook. Um, so and then, no external links, meaning you're not copying someone else's medium post and sticking it in there and going. No, what does everyone think about this? You would copy and paste the entire thing as text, and then yeah. you'd say via medium at the bottom. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, so that's how you would get the content for it. Um, and then you would, I would at the start let anyone post in just because you're desperate for engagement and you don't want the group to be dead. But uh, after a little while, you have to close that off and have it by invitation only. You grow it by giving giveaways, so uh, one-hour consulting or a free, free, of your, free version of your product, whatever, if you invite 15 friends into the group. Uh, and that will be enough to get you to 
3,000, 4,000 members. So Facebook groups are amazing. Uh, Twitter is great for that audience stuff. Um, public speaking, um, if, you, if you're selling a product that's high dollar to a few people, such as consultancy um, or coaching, then public speaking is the best way to get traction. How you grow as a speaker is you use Google Slides, you create a black background with white text on it because it stands out a hell of a lot more. Um, try and keep the words to a minimum, put GIFs and big pictures on the slides and people will like it more. Um, you can put all the words on it and read it off if you're new to it. As long as the content's good, you can get away with anything. Um, and then to get gigs, go on Meetup and Eventbrite, tap in your niche, so fashion, food, uh, startups, whatever. Find all of the active meetups or, that are happening in your local area. Message them all the same thing. Um, I'm a big fan of your meetup. Can I come and give a talk on 10 ways to improve our industry or some other clickbait title? I have a massive network I can invite. Just say that, they never check. And then that's more likely to convert. And then you copy and paste that to all of them and about one in four will get back to you. <clears throat> this is the exact strategy. Like I say, I, I wasn't a public speaker out of uh, strategy. Um, Oxygen Accelerator, I owe a lot to now. They, they put me on for a talk and then I, I presumed, um, it's like one of those things when, when you don't know the industry, you're kind of sick at it because you, you don't do all the same things everyone else yeah. does. I presumed when you give a talk, you tell people what to do and you give them walkthroughs. So I was like, okay, this is how you do social media, this is how you do copywriting and so on. And then like people were amazed, well, you need to consult with me, can you coach me? And then, and then I was like, okay, so public speaking works. I went on Meetup and Eventbrite. And I did all those London talks, Hacker News, um, Rework Mulgate, everywhere. And then when I got asked to speak in America, I just did the same thing. I spammed everyone in LA, New York, and SF. LA got back to me. And then within a month's notice, I had like nine talks in America. So that's how you do public speaking. Were they all paid or was it a mix? No, it's, uh, it's all of them are free. Random. just about getting your name out there. Yeah. And yeah. then as a consultant, like they, they you show knowledge and then they'll hire you. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, and in terms of on the day, watch the speaker before you so you don't repeat anything they say. And if it's a really good audience, what you want to do is um, obviously email me for slides, then you get all the emails. But uh, run to the back of the room when you finish, especially if you're the last speaker, and then have like a stack of your business cards. And as everyone goes by, they'll say, great talk. And then you can swap business cards yeah. so no one escapes your loop. Um, so public speaking uh, is that one. Facebook groups, Twitter. Um, I always speak about Charlie app, type in anyone's email address and you find all the public information about them on the internet, all their blog posts, all their LinkedIn, all their company news. This also works called Charlie app. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, it also works for Tinder dates. You get your date, you get their email, find out all about them and talk about that stuff on the date. Amazing. Love that. So Tinder hack as well. Um, okay. So. Uh, you've talked a lot about um, like actual hacks, and thank you very much for sharing all of those, by the way. Um, do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Yes. And can you define the term? An entrepreneur is someone that can create wealth without gatekeepers, without having to work with gatekeepers. I like it. Uh, how would you describe yourself? Other than that, obviously. Uh, a sexually frustrated loner. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, moving into the uh, the end and the business end of the interview, and it has been super interesting. So thank you for your uh, taking me completely off piece. I've basically asked zero questions that we prepared, so that was an absolute <laughs> waste of time. But um, some uh, top advice from you. So 
Um, our listeners are keen to understand two things from you. How to avoid making mistakes as young founders. And secondly, how to grow their business. Sure. The first one is to have mentors who have done the exact thing you're trying to do. And like, I, I wish I'd done that a lot earlier. Yeah. So it's also like finding relevant mentors. Okay? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, I want my mentor to be like yeah, Richard Branson. It's like, yeah. I want to get someone realistic who can actually help you. Yeah. Like, it, it, they, just, they just won't have time. I mean, Branson, Elon Musk is mad to try and get them as your mentor. But yeah, get someone like, I guess bad mentors might be better than no mentors. But at the same time, um, there's that whole... Uh, ignore people who will tell you um, what you can't do. Like I, I pitched uh, one of Ramit Sethi's, the uh, I teach you how to be rich guy, an idea that I, for a business I want to launch next year. And he said it will not work. The churn of users will be too strong. So I'm like, wait, do I take his advice because he's good or do I rebel against it as an entrepreneur? Yeah, that's tricky. Well, what's the answer from your perspective? Um, it's, it, it, it's too broad, but um, like for instance with Dan Meredith, he's because he's done the exact thing uh, I find it's just easier to do exactly what he says and everything he's told me has been great yeah okay that makes sense and secondly was how to grow business broad obviously Um, I I think one of my parts of my secret sauce is an obsession with my audience I I completely understand them inside and out their hopes fears and dreams um, and then I can write content that's linked to that Uh, I, I think you can never go wrong with an obsession with audience um, also an obsession with having working capital so you're not having to um, have a fucking meeting over a hundred dollar piece of software like people I, I think a lot of people look at me and they go oh, you built on welfare so I don't need money to run business you definitely it's so much easier with working capital yeah. uh, like it's important to have that I'm the exception also I was playing the VC game you can play the VC game and then with your staff, be like, guys, money is coming. Like, please work for me and then we'll sort it out later. And I did. But if you're building like a cash business, not a VC business, you need to get money in as soon as possible. Yeah, fair. Uh, what do you prefer? Do you prefer the idea? I mean, you know, it seems to me, obviously, the personal journey on building your scalable brand and yourself, we don't have to answer to anyone, is obviously the exciting thing here. But do you see yourself running a big company one day? Like, you know, being a leader of lots of passionate young people? I mean... Um, you know, that's actually something interestingly, our next guest, Daniel Priestley, you know, he's an author, um, same kind of vibe. This, uh, whole theme is around, uh, you know, helping people become self, self, uh, personal brands and self branding and personal growth. Um, and he's built a business out of that, right? Like a consultancy that actually trains people to basically become their own personal brands. Do you see kind of correlations? Would you be interested in doing that? Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I guess I don't really like routine as much. Like I, that's like it sounds like a business that has a, like an office and stuff. I do finally have a business in mind that I want to launch, but it's in the internet marketing space. Right. I, I like I like invisible goods. I don't want to have to mail you anything physical. It's bulky. I don't want. I don't want a lot of staff on my projects. I, I love internet marketing because it's all invisible. Sell ebooks. Sell consultancy. Sell webinars. It's it's uh, yeah. No stock. Anything like that. Um, so I've forgotten the question there. Uh, the question is, would you do, uh, would, would you see yourself running a big company or? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and like to grow your personal brand, like you can only get to a level before you need to hire out. And like, right. I am aggressively hiring right now. Um, because yeah, you, you hit a ceiling and, and you also just, you just get a mental amount of work. So as soon as something comes up, like you go on tour, it just piles up massively. Apart from um, get a mentor, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? 
Oh, what a great question. That wasn't where I thought the question was going to go. Um, the best piece of advice I've been given. Any chance you could be more specific? I, I just, I, I'm kind of blanking out. Yeah, no, it's fine. So we could ask a different question anyway and just blank that one out at all. Well, so, yeah, well, so, well so the thing is, um, you know, you've gone on a lot about uh, mentorship and that is brilliant advice. But, you know, in your personal growth story, you know, what, what has been said to you that you're like, you know what, that's really helpful. I, I really appreciate the that. The thing is, like, I've, I've been such a lone wolf for so long. I've only just started having mentors that um, everything I did was... Um, everything I did was kind of off my own back on my own ideas which is a good thing but probably also a bad thing um, like in terms of advice I mean, broadly speaking Dan Kennedy is the smartest marketer of all time if anyone goes and reads his stuff Jay Abraham Evan Pagan it will blow your mind when I, I only discovered it a few weeks ago through uh, this site called My Note Taking Nerd uh, Dexter who's Dan Meredith's mentor uh, and I was like fucking hell I don't know anything about business when I read these Dan Kennedy notes and then I think well if I don't what about the tribe behind me so I recommend everyone read Dan Kennedy um, so that's a great piece of advice so like, your, your best uh, piece of advice to offer people is actually to find the uh, smartest key contributors the yeah. key people of influence in the industry full yeah. stop and learn what they have to share because they do know more yeah absolutely. so it's actually to be adaptable and actually listen and learn realistically yeah, um, and when you're knee-deep in your startup, you tend to forget that you need to learn new things. Yeah, yeah that's very fair. Um, so just wrapping up here, um, where do you see yourself in 10 years, apart from obviously on a beach in LA? Yeah, well, uh, with God's grace, I'll be living in Los Angeles, um, just by, just uh, writing and speaking. Like, I want to outsource everything else yeah. and run a business which changes a lot of people's lives. I want to work more with creative people rather than business people in the long term. Yeah. So like uh, help them fight the effects of the internet destroying their careers. Right. I really believe in the internet marketing model rather than musicians trying to be business people, which they're not. They should just do the internet marketing model. Give out free content and then exclusive content or they can coach people uh, who are the big fans. That makes sense. I like that. Um, and... You know, question around mental health. So you uh, put yourself on a pedestal a lot, and as we as we explain in the UK, that's just not very well received by you know a general population. And that in itself is exactly how you get such engaged fans because yeah. they actually really passionately uh, approve of you doing that. And you know, again, good for you. Uh, I really respect yeah. it, and I think it's uh, something that's always um, always resonated with me. Like you know, towards you, yeah. um, do you get trolled? Do you receive a lot of criticism? Does it affect you? And do you find it affects your health and happiness? Um, I don't. I don't get trolls. Um, but next year, I'm sure I will because I everything I do is kind of trapped in that Facebook group, which I control. Uh, I don't even bother trying to guest blog anymore. I guest blog for half an post, and I still do, but you don't get much from it. When when I do it in the Facebook group, I just get loads of comments and loads of likes, which is why it's amazing having your own community. Trolls. Um, yeah. So I did a talk for. Uh, I better not say. I had a talk for someone connected to the government and uh, someone influential tweeted, this is a great talk, and they put one of my slides. And then they were connected loads of in, with loads of normal marketers. And then I got two days of, hey, fuck you. You are the, uh, you are the marketing Katie Hopkins. Mm-hmm. I got madness for two days because they were traditional marketers uh, and it was very threatening for them to see that. 
Um, so I was like, damn, do I want to be famous if this is what uh, I do? So what do I do with trolls? Um, firstly, I ignore them. Um, I never reply to them. So I follow James Altucher's advice. If you do, it's another 24 hours until they turn off. Yeah. Um, also, though, in James Altucher says, which I've twisted, um, which is uh, a lot of people, well, some people who comment are actually mentally ill. Yeah. If a mentally ill person came in and started shouting at you, you wouldn't put them down. So I assume anyone who criticizes me is mentally ill. That's a very safe way to view the world and uh, beautiful lens. I think that's a really great way to end. So uh, that concludes a passionate and honest interview with arguably one of the best young growth hackers and self-branding experts in the UK. Um, hopefully in the States soon. So making his mark over on the uh, other side of the Atlantic using nothing more than the very tactics that he shares and tells others. Uh, from benefits in London to beaches in LA, Vincent has proven in a short period of time that he indeed has the secret source to personal growth, success and financial riches. And this comes from the Holy Trinity. Step one, personal brand, point of differentiation. Step two, unique insight and or specialist skill. And step three, a powerful network for shared success. If you can find a way to master these, you'll find a way of doubling down on your very own secret source and personal success. So thank you very much, Vincent, for your typical honesty, your growth hacks, and your story. And uh, congratulations on the success so far. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips, and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. So since recording that, um, Vin has actually managed to realize his dream and move full time to L.A., so that is in the last six months. Now, Vin's been actually working um, for about seven or eight years on the dream of moving to L.A. And everything that he's done in his life has basically been slowly and surely working towards that dream. So if what he said in the actual interview didn't inspire you enough, then maybe simply the idea that he had a focus target in mind and achieved it through simply having confidence in his own actions and growing his own brand on social media um, if that doesn't give you any confidence, then potentially next week's episode will instead. We're back to founders of well-known brands. And this time we have the enviably cool, always wearing Converse's because she's running between meetings. Um, everyone's favorite, Sarah Wood, who is one of the best known female entrepreneurs in the UK and arguably just one of the best known entrepreneurs regardless of gender in the UK because she is the co-founder of Unruly. And Unruly, as you will find out next week, had a fantastic exit of £150 million to Rupert Murdoch's News Corp. Um, and um, obviously, whatever you think about that, you can discuss after listening to next week's episode, because you're in for a treat. Sarah is one of the coolest people in Britain. So um, thank you very much. And Rich, see us out with the usual. Yeah, so don't forget to subscribe to us. We've only got... Uh, how many episodes have we got left? We've got only two. Sarah two. And Simon. Sarah and Simon Cook. So I've given away who's after that. So yeah, to subscribe to us. We will be doing more of these episodes after Series 1. Um, but uh, yes, subscribe to us on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're also on YouTube. Search for Secret Leaders or Secret Lives of Leaders. If you want to see all the historic episodes and just download them to your computer, you can do that by going to secretleaders.com. And if you've got any advice, tips, 
coaching complaints for Dan especially then just email us at hello at secretleaders.com so coaching for Rich coaching for me Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week with Sarah thank you very much goodbye